This week on the Voice and Sport podcast, we are excited to speak with Molly Carlson, a senior national team Canadian diver, Red Bull high diver, three-time NCAA All-American diver, and three-time ACC MVP of the year. Molly holds two junior Pan American championships, a two-time junior world champion finalist, and seven-time junior national champion. Today we speak with Molly about her diving career, her journey with mental health, and advocacy efforts to destigmatize mental health. Molly speaks candidly about her transition into diving at a young age and the way in which her quick rise to the top of her sport impacted her mental health and mindset. We learn about the types of comments from teammates or coaches that may impact the trajectory of positive or negative self-talk around body image, especially in aesthetic sports like diving. Molly shares how she learns to implement methods of communication and self-reflection to shape her athletic environment into one that promotes both athletic and personal growth. In addition to being a highly accomplished athlete, Molly also has a substantial following on social media and has built a community called The Brave Gang because so many young women face tremendous pressure in regards to how they look and it is only exaggerated when social media is front and center. Molly shares with us the advocacy efforts she hopes to continue to pursue in order to help other young girls and athletes feel empowered about their bodies and to love their bodies. I love Molly's openness and honesty about her journey. And these are the types of conversations that encourage us to improve ourselves as humans, both inside and out of sport. Welcome to the Voice in Sport podcast, Molly. We are so excited to have you here with us today. You have such an interesting background. We've never had a diver before on the podcast. And you're not just a diver that went through the NCAA circuit, but you're also a Red Bull athlete and you're now out in a whole nother sport almost. So I can't wait to like unpack that journey and learn a little bit about your mental health journey along the way. So welcome to the Voice and Sport podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love what you guys promote on this podcast and I'm excited to chat about it. (laughs) Well, let's start with your background. We know that you grew up pretty early starting diving at age seven. So tell us about how you got into diving in the first place at such a young age. And I know you were doing other sports like gymnastics. So when did you fully commit to diving and what was it about the sport that you just absolutely loved? Yeah, I started as a gymnast. My mom kind of, you know, raised both me and my sister as a single mom, teenage mom, and she really had a passion for putting us into sports. She's like, if there's one thing I want you guys to have is like your own identity through sport, you know, and I loved that. And I immediately chose gymnastics because I was, you know, very elegant, very into backflips and stuff, and I wanted to go into that. And my sister chose swimming. And I would always go and watch her practice, and I would see these divers jumping off high things, and I was like, Mom, I know I'm in gymnastics, but (laughs) that sport looks so exciting. And she's like, well, you know, you got to pick one. And so when I was nine, I was like, okay, I got to make the switch. Like, I'm way too into this. I did a couple summer camps. I was raised in Thunder Bay, Ontario, and we had a bunch of, you know, camps throughout the summer jumped off a bunch of platforms and just knew like this was my calling so yeah made the switch at nine and never looked back (laughs) do you feel that your background also doing other sports like gymnastics allowed you to be really good at diving absolutely i think any athlete that starts in gymnastics or, or just those 
sports that have that body awareness, like you need to be completely head to toe aware of every muscle that you have to be able to go into certain tricks, right? From such a young age, you, you establish, okay, this is what arms do. This is what legs do. You're so young, but you're, you're learning these, these power body like parts and, and how they work and how they help you. So it absolutely helped and transitioned me into a really good diver really quickly, which was nice, helpful. <laughs> Well, within a year of you starting to dive in 2008, you started competing at a very high level and you landed a bronze medal in junior nationals. So what was it like competing at such a high level being so young? And did this really help shape the mindset that you had going into, you know, your training and your overall focus on mental health? Yeah, I started diving within a year. I was at my first nationals and landed on the podium and I was like, mom, what? what is happening? Like, am I on the podium at a national event? Like all of Canada is here. Again, I I wasn't sure. I was just so in love with this sport that like the awards and stuff that were coming in, I, I was just like, oh, it's cherry on top because at the end of the day, I love showing up every day. And that really like looking back now, I've noticed switching into high diving, I feel that same energy because it's so exciting when you start a new sport. All you want to do is be there and to train. So as you go along and things do get tougher and you don't want to go to practice every day, you just remember why you fell in love with it. And it it absolutely falls in line with my mental health journey these days, for sure. Well, you know, and it's it's funny because we start with a passion of something we love and find so much joy. Like you said, the medals don't even matter almost at the beginning. But then as our journey goes, like we often lose sight of that joy or that fun that we had in sport from the beginning. So how do you, I mean, I'm sure you've lost it at some point. So when you do lose it, like how do you get it back? Ooh, good question. I definitely almost quit when I was like 13 years old. All the pressure was really getting to me at a young age and I was consistently second or first in the country and I was like, oh my gosh, how do I keep maintaining this? You know, it's it's hard to be that consistent throughout your childhood and as your body changes and you're you're trying to do dives that you used to do so easily and now you're a woman and you're like, what? So there was just a lot of, of stuff I was facing individually and every kid goes through it, you know. You, you go through changes and so to be able to look back and say, okay, maybe let's change my perspective. Like, why am I going to practice every day? And when those times do get tough, I, I sometimes take a break, you know? I've taken a couple weeks off here and there throughout my career just to miss it a little bit. And I think it's the healthiest thing ever because when you are going to practice and you're miserable and all you want to do is not be there, then you're not getting anything out of it, you know? So taking that one week off when you're at your lowest and saying, okay, I want to be there again is the best thing I did for myself. What if you feel like you're getting pressure from like your parents or coaches when you maybe do confront to them and say, you know what, I want to take a break and that break might just be a couple of weeks or it might be a mm-hmm. month or it might not have an end date, but you you know you're losing some of your joy and we do think it's important to look at all aspects of your life as a human, Mm -hmm. especially when you are succeeding like you were at such a young age. So what advice would you give to girls that might feel like one, they don't know how to have the conversation or two, they're, Mm -hmm. they're getting pushback or pressure? I think there's so much pressure, especially when you're talented as a very young kid 
coaches want you at every practice. They want you succeeding, learning new dives. Parents are like, girl, you're first in the country. Why aren't you going to practice, you know? And, and there's just these expectations when you start to do well, like, okay, you need to be at practice every day. You need to be showing up, putting in the work to make that result consistent. And it can absolutely be terrifying to confront people with that. But if you have one person in any element of your life as a kid, I think there's school, there's practice, and there's the home life, right? So there's those three. And I actually connected really well with one of my counselors at school. And it was just walk in, open door. And I would go in and say, hey... I'm stressed. I don't want to go to practice. And then we would just entertain those 30 minutes together and distract ourselves. So then when we did have to go to practice or we felt that going to practice was the right thing to do, we had other like excitement to think about. So then it was nice to go to practice. So I think just finding, you know, it doesn't have to be that one person. It could be one hobby or one activity outside of your sport that that brings you external joy that I think will really help you just be mindful of, okay, this one day doesn't matter for my entire career, you know? Yeah, it's hard to have that perspective, I feel like, especially when you're younger and when you're in it, like regardless of your age, <laughs> but like when you're actually in it and you're you're succeeding and you're seeing some results, it's hard to like take that perspective that you're talking about. So are there any mm-hmm. like mindfulness practices that you've learned now that maybe you wish you would have known back <laughs> in high school? Oh, oh my gosh, I wish I knew so many, you know, I would really let just everyone else's opinions get to me as a kid. And, oh my gosh, Molly's training like this, or she's, you know, going through this, her body's changing. Like, I would think people were thinking this way about me, but they weren't, you know, this is all what I thought they were thinking of me. And honestly, now I I write in a journal. I used to write in a journal. Now I just video vlog because it's easier for me. I'm such a content creator now that I'm like, let me check in on, you know, my video. And I have a little folder that just some days I'm crying. Some days I'm so happy. But if you check in with yourself and speak to yourself on what's going on, that like deep emotion that you're not figuring out what it is and that it's coming out in other ways as a kid, you'll never be able to identify it if you don't talk to yourself about it or talk to someone else about it. So find a way to, you know, write it out, talk it out, figure out what's really going on and then make step towards how to make it better. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Well, on your website, there's a section on your about page where you briefly Mm -hmm. mention some of the adversities that you faced in 12th grade. So you mentioned facing challenges with body dysmorphia, battling an eating disorder, and struggling with anxiety. And unfortunately, we know these are very common Mm -hmm. amongst um, women athletes, not just in high school, but also in college. So that's our main community here at Voice and Sport. So (laughs) very relatable topic, one in which we're trying to create the best resources and experts possible on the Viz platform Mm -hmm. so that you don't feel like you're struggling alone and that you know you have a community (laughs) to lean on. But we would love to hear, you know, really your experience with this. And if you can kind of go back to thinking about where this started for you, how it manifested in your life, and then what have you learned from that experience looking back on your high school self? I love this question now. I didn't love it back in the day when I was going through it, but I'm so proud of how far I've come and talking about it really makes me proud of, you know, this is what I experienced and now I can help so many young athletes and young females like figure out who they are and and make sure they don't feel alone. 
So on my platforms, I really feel comfortable sharing this story and I want to share it with you guys today because it was one of those times where I felt really alone. And in grade 12, I kind of started seeing my body change a lot and I wasn't expecting that. And in the sport of diving, it really matters how you look to perform at your best. But I took it to the extent of, okay, it it matters how I look skinny-wise and not how I look, you know, strong-wise. And and there's a big difference between strength and thinness in sport. And I think that that's where I got caught up was I was five foot seven. All my competitors were five foot two or under. I was just this taller athlete. And growing up, I was like a foot taller than everyone overlooking them. I just felt like this giant on the platform. And I was like, I don't want to feel like this, you know. I'm watching all the Chinese athletes win the Olympics in diving my entire life. And I'm like, they are so much tinier than me. Like, can my body ever achieve the dives that they're achieving? And I would just get in my head with these, you know, intrusive negative thoughts. And I'd be really hard on myself. And it ended up turning into a really toxic eating disorder. I had binge eating disorder felt extremely guilty every time I would eat something amazing. Love food now. Wish I could tell myself that back in the day that you deserve all the good food as well. And uh, yeah, I, I really would eat too little with the amount that I was performing and with the amount that I was training. And 300 calories a day was not enough to keep up with 30 hours a week of training. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point where... By the time it was Friday practice, I was breaking my wrists and going to the hospital because my body was malnourished, you know, and it was really sad. I went through times where my body was deteriorating, my hair was falling out. I wanted to be this gorgeous, thin, you know, perfect diver, could make all these really big dives because I was small, and it was absolutely the opposite. Not treating my body like a regular human, just made me fall into this pattern of one, self-guilt, two, my body was breaking by the second, and three, it doesn't make you fall in love with the sport anymore. It just makes you not want to be there. And so that was my experience in grade 12, and I was like, I can't keep going like this. And nearing the end, I saw a counselor, psychologist actually, and she was like, you you cannot keep going like this. And it was at that point where I was suffering alone for so long, counting my almonds and my blueberries at lunch, eating in the bathroom by myself because I was ashamed. And it, it wasn't at all a, an exciting way to be living, a healthy way to be living. And I shared that with one person, my mom. I finally opened up to her in grade 12. She had been picking up on it. She'd make me these gorgeous lunches and she'd be like, yay, let's eat together. And I'd yell at her, how dare you make me lunch? You know I have practice in a bathing suit. I have to show myself. And she'd pick up on it. And so she actually set me up with the counselor and I couldn't be more grateful for that turning point because... As soon as I I made the decision to, okay, I need to get out of this environment. I've represented Team Canada for so long. The pressure just got way too much for my mental health. And 
I decided to commit to Florida State University and perspectives changed and my mental health came back so strong. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's it's not easy to talk about some of these things mm-hmm. and it's women like yourself that is really going to help the next generation of girls, you know, <laughs> one, make sure that they feel heard and that they know that there's a safe place to really go and talk about these things, but also know that they're just not alone. And I thought what you, what you said was really interesting about the sport of diving, too. I just want to kind of dive a little deeper, no pun intended, yeah. but <laughs> dive a little deeper into what you mentioned, because you said, you know, it matters what you look like in your sport. So mm-hmm. what? let's unpack that for girls so that they think about that in the right context. Beautiful. Yeah, I said that and immediately was like, oh, that's not a sentence I like to promote. But it is a judge sport, so... Judges are critiquing the appearance of a dive out of 10. So when I say it matters what you look like, it matters overall how you can perform a skill. And I think that's very different to, okay, it matters what you personally look like versus what you as an athlete can perform on that day. So I hope that helps everyone feel confident. Yeah, I think it's so important because Mm -hmm. that sort of comment is also translatable to several other sports that a lot of women are playing right now. And and so it's really important to have your mindset and the right when you're thinking about going into your sport that's getting judged on, on certain aspects. And I just love looking back now at your career, you've become one of the best divers in the world and certainly in the NCAA and that you maybe don't look exactly like atypical divers. And I just want to pause on that because, I mean, now that you have been successful, you've gone through your collegiate career and and become a three-time NCAA All-American and gone on to do even more things after college, what message would you want to share to girls today that maybe feel like they don't fit a typical look of a specific Mm -hmm. sport? What would you tell those girls? Oh, girls, I'm right there with you. I absolutely grew up in a sport where there was an appearance that was seen all over the top divers in the world. And they had, you know, a certain shape and size that I was like, wow, do I need to look like this to be good at my sport? And as soon as I hit rock bottom in grade 12, I realized I can absolutely fall in love with this sport again. I moved to Florida State University and had the best four years of my life, fell in love with it every day. And what my coach mentioned to me one year was, it doesn't matter what your body looks like showing up to practice. It's the smile that you bring to practice every day and the energy that you bring to practice every day that changes the minds of judges. You know, if you're up there every single day and you're so positive and happy to be there and working on changes and allowing yourself to fail, then those beautiful dives will come your way. And it doesn't matter how big, small, beautiful, all bodies are beautiful. And I think it's important to recognize that every single body is capable of amazing, talented, athletic careers. Absolutely. And media has a role to play in it, right? We need to continue (laughs) to showcase that there are a variety of athletic bodies 
in different mm-hmm. sports and that it, people can succeed. So I really appreciate you sharing that and kind of going back and talking about it a bit deeper. Mm-hmm. It's something we're very passionate about at Voice in Sport because we talk a lot about body image and the impact social media has. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have a huge following yourself. So how do you think about using social media as a tool for positivity and body positivity and mental health? How do you think about those two going hand in hand? Because we're pretty much talking every month to girls about, you know, censoring social media so that you don't feel bad about yourself after getting on it for 20 minutes. So what have you learned, I guess, over the years about how to use social media as a powerful platform, but not fall into that like comparison trap? When I started diving and in high school, Instagram was like just getting big and it was all like models and it was all people cropping their images and editing their photos and basically just a fake platform of these fake images. And I was like, this is what I need to look like. I'm a teenager. I'm going through changes and I'm like, wow, I want to look like Kylie Jenner, you know, and like, how do you get there? And so in your mind, you're trying to be these unrealistic these body types that are are not what they are in person. And I think it's important that when I was younger, I wish someone told me, you know, there's, there's other people to be following that show you what a natural body looks like and show you what, you know, athletes go through on a regular basis. And they're not models. We go through very intense training every single day. You're not going to be glowing after a five hour practice. You're not going to feel amazing. You're going to be walking home, limping because your legs are sore and I think with my platform I, I really blew up when COVID hit and we had that time to kind of just be training at home there was no external competitions we were all just lucky to be training and I blew up because obviously high diving and what I do with my camera I bring it up there and show behind the scenes of this amazing high diving sport but as soon as that following grew I told myself I need to be that person I needed five years ago, you know? I need to get on this platform and tell all these athletes that this body only does what it does because I love it and I show it love every single day and no way would I jump off that platform if I wasn't mentally or physically capable. And as I told you guys in grade 12, when my body was like breaking because I wasn't treating it with kindness and love, there's no way any higher than 10 meters could be absolutely possible. So I wanted to be that voice on social media and show people when I'm bloating at practice and show them when, you know, I'm in the ugliest suit of the day and I don't feel cute in myself. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Got to show my body in a swimsuit today. Like it just it changes the mindset of how people see professional athletes. And we're not just these these idols that are untouchable. We are idols that you can talk to. And I've created this Brave Gang community where now I celebrate people that, you know, celebrate their own struggles and go through their own challenges and share that with the world because we're all in this together and and that's a beautiful community. (laughs) I love that. And I love what you've done with your platform. I think that's incredible. And so when young women are watching your videos, what's like the top message that you hope they will take away from your content? The number one comment, like some, the, the first time I posted me bloated at practice, because obviously we're in a swimsuit every single day, not every day is going to be your tip-top self, you know? So I was going through 
one of those bloated days and I, I shared it on social media and I was like, oh, I wonder how, you know, my audience is going to react to me sharing my vulnerable side. And 50 girls in like five minutes responded, oh my gosh, thank you so much for this. I'm on my way to practice and I wasn't feeling good about myself. This helped me so much feel the confidence I needed. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this forever. Like if I can empower girls to go to practice, even if they're not feeling the best, to be proud of the body that they show up in, absolutely, I'm going to keep doing that. So I just, I love that people are confident enough to comment even on this and say they're going through similar experiences. It's really powerful. Well, that's amazing. It makes girls feel less alone too. So I appreciate that you're doing that. Let's back up to like, you had this low point in in high school and you worked your way out of it, which was incredible because you asked for help and you ended up seeing a counselor and sports psychologist, leaning into your safe space, your mom, all the people around you, which I think is great. What do you do if you're a girl who might not have that or they don't feel like they know where to go? What would your advice be? I have actually met a lot of, you know, influencers along the way that have gone through similar and they're very shy people in person. And, you know, meeting these amazing, they can be absolute amazing athletes, but personally they, they're just very quiet individuals and they don't have that big friend group or that family that's always there for them. And the way that they've dealt with it. I can't even remember names right now. I'm just like going through what I remember from experiences is that people that don't have that exclusive circle or people that they know they can run to with ultimate trust and trust issues is a big thing too. When you go through anxiety, like your trust levels go down a lot. So it's hard to open up to other people. But when you don't have that confidence or don't have that option in yourself to reach out and get the help that you need from other people start with yourself that's always what I tell people you'll never be able to share your story with someone else until you know what you're going through personally so write it out talk to yourself tell yourself that okay this is what I'm struggling with as soon as you voice that you have a problem you're one step closer to getting the help that you need you know and I think that telling yourself that and going through that. It's, you're going to cry. You're going to be in your bed talking to your mirror in front of you saying, I have, you know, anxiety and you're going to cry it out and it's going to feel nice after, you know? And so that was something I also used when I did think I was alone and I would talk to myself in my mirror and just say, okay, I don't want to see this crying face ever again. So let's go get the help that we need. Well, you ended up getting help and a big part of your decision, I think, to go to Florida State University where you had this like this impressive career as a seven time ACC medalist, a three time ACC MVP diver of the year and a three time NCAA All-American. It's kind of a mouthful, but it's a lot. (laughs) But you, you ended up going there. But a big part of your decision, I think, at the time was your relationship you had with the program and your coach, John Proctor. Mm -hmm. So can you share Mm -hmm. with us what made your time at FSU so special and, you know, what aspects of the program contributed to a healthy relationship with your sport so that for the girls out there that are in college today yep. or ones that are about to go and they're trying to decide where to go, maybe mm-hmm. have this in mind from your own experience. So there was a lot of pressure, actually, because once like a good athlete decides they want to go to the States from Canada, 
all of Canada puts on this pressure of, okay, these are the top three diving colleges that are going to actually help you succeed. And I was like, I don't want to go somewhere that Diving Canada is still putting that pressure on me. I need to escape. I need to find my own life. And for me, it was going on recruitment trips and finding the environment that helped me feel like I had a family away from home. And my safest people were my sister and my mom growing up. I could tell them everything, you know, and I wanted that same feeling when I went to the U.S. And when I went to Florida State University, there was two Canadians on the team already, and they were like my older brothers growing up. They were divers from Canada, and they were like, we'll take care of you, telling my mom that she has a place, you know. Even if you don't have, you know, people on the team that you already know, just feeling that familial feeling and and having a coach that respects you as a person is really important. If they come to you and they just want, you know, okay, you're successful at diving or swimming or whatever your sport may be, obviously it's benefiting the school. You're going to do amazing. They're going to help you, you know, grow. But finding that connection with a coach that sees you for you and wants to grow you as a person was such a game changer. And I think I had been with amazing coaches my whole life and they saw my potential and my talent, but I wasn't my healthiest self until I met John Proctor and he supported me from the person I was as well as the athlete that I was. I love that so much because so often you hear about like the negative stories of like coaching relationships with women athletes, but yours is a really strong positive one, which also needs to be celebrated because those coaching relationships can be so special and so dynamic. So if any coach or parent is listening to this, what can we maybe call out about that relationship that you feel like was so great for you especially coming from a place of you you did have challenges with body dysmorphia and yeah. disordered eating and so I'm wondering did you have a really open dialogue with him about that when you got there or was it just that the way that he coached you and and thought about you as a holistic human set you mm-hmm. up for a really good four years there I think to any coaches listening the best thing that you can provide to your athlete is just presence you know and ultimate support and what John Proctor never did was comment on my body and I think that's really really important to my self-care because even the days I feel amazing I hear one comment from a coach oh you look great today let's keep going that makes me like oh it's because I didn't eat today let me continue that you know and so even these little comments of either you look great really really targeted how I felt emotionally growing up and as soon as I went to the states it was more of oh you look happy today fill me in or oh you know you look a bit tired or, or sad like what's going on and more just a conversation about the mood and the personality an athlete brings to the table rather than appearance because we all can look amazing some days and we can all look awful some days but it's at the end of the day you're trying to figure out what's going on inside right so who cares what someone looks like let's let's dive into what's going on personally so I think that is my biggest advice to all coaches and parents too like You know, my mom learned the hard way that, you know, she also struggles with body dysmorphia and anxiety. So me hearing it often just kind of made me look at myself a certain way. So we had a really tough chat about, okay, when we're together, we're going to be positive because there's no more of this. Because when you say that or when I say it, then we look at ourselves a certain way. And just being around people that are also struggling can make yourself pick up some, some 
behaviors that you didn't want to impact your healthy journey. And I think surrounding myself with athletes that wanted to be at practice every day, that wanted to, you know, were so confident in themselves, helped me so much at Florida State University. And never in my life did I think I'd be training in a bikini. But by month three, I was out there shining my very ginger self out in the sun, burning every day. (laughs) But it was nice. I could wear my bikini proud. I was so not in tune with how my body looked, but more my personality. And that was the biggest stretch to success for sure. Oh, I think what you said about your mom, and I'm, I'm sure she's amazing. I also have body, <laughs> body dysmorphia issues. And I think that, you know, when you are surrounded by people who are also constantly talking about themselves or that they need to lose this amount of weight or this mm-hmm. or that, that has an impact on you then thinking about things all the time. So that is a huge, I think, trigger for anyone mm-hmm. listening to this podcast to just like recognize like who are the people you have around you and how are they mm-hmm. talking about their bodies? And, right. and it's kind of hard as a human to not be impacted by that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, we all are empathetic. And so <laughs> you, you want to be really aware, I think, of, of that surrounding. And so that leads me into kind of creating a, a really positive team environment. When you take mm-hmm. a look about your experience at Florida, what are the characteristics of your team, you know, that dynamic of your team that helped you become a great version of yourself, both at diving but also out of diving. Yeah, what I loved about the NCAA life was you were on a team. Like I was so used to just competing for myself and representing, you know, myself at every diving competition. But when I went down to the US, I was now on a swimming and diving team. And I was like, wait, (laughs) I'm adding points to the swimmers that are doing laps over there. And my coach is like, yep. So it wasn't any more pressure. It was almost more fun because now I get to do my awesome dives and be, you know, this new person that I'm becoming and contribute to a team that was so positive. And we had team captains that were very, very enthusiastic about, you know, who we were as people. Like, the whole environment at Florida State University was growing yourself and going through four years of college to become the best athlete and version of you that you could be. And I think that being on a team that supported those values was really confident boosting to who I became. How did you guys deal with the balance? Because I I feel like a lot of the women in our community, at least, and I see this across also the, the men athletes we work with, that they are constantly battling so many different things that usually the last thing that they focus on is their mental health. So reflecting back on your time in college, like what are some practical things that, you know, these athletes can think about to put mental health first and not have it be the, oh, well, you know, that'll be like the last thing on my list. Right. And it always was the last thing on the list. It's like you have school to attend, you have practice to attend, you have weights to attend. And you have a social life, you know, you're trying to be this this new person, you want to hang out with all your new friends at college, and all of a sudden your mental health is like not being considered, and I think that for me, what we kind of brought up by year two was, okay, can we, we obviously don't have time to fit it too much in our schedules individually, so we talked to our coach, and he actually made it a part of the curriculum in our program, and so every week we'd have group counseling, which was interesting. You know, you learn a lot. Obviously, individual counseling for for specific disorders is really recommended. I was going every two weeks for the 
the second year when I kind of hit, you know, more pressure. I became ACC champion and MVP diver of the year. And I was like, oh, I'm feeling that pressure again. Like performance anxiety is back. And so I got back into counseling for me personally. But it was helpful to have that tough conversation with our coach and say, we want to prioritize this. And this is something that we're all lacking. And I think having that performance anxiety psychologist there and sports psychologist to kind of help us get through these competitions because there was so many every weekend in college. <laughs> so you're competing lots, you're going through, you know, changes and new new stuff happening all the time in college. So to have it a part of our program was really important. Obviously, not every club is going to have the finances or the the opportunities to have sports psychologists join your program, but maybe reaching out and having just a group session together that builds teamwork, something other than the sport, or just talking about how you guys can be mentally strong together and and find that way to include mental health as a part of your sport schedule. (laughs) To continue listening to this podcast, please go to voiceandsport.com and sign up for free. Molly goes on to talk about her academic experience pursuing psychology and counseling, as well as her experience training on Team Canada. Head to minute number 40 to get started on voiceandsport.com. This week's episode was produced and edited by Viz creator Elizabeth Martin, a soccer player from Emory University. We are beyond grateful that Molly shared her story with us today and so excited to see all the incredible things she will achieve in sport and beyond in the future. You can follow Molly on Instagram at mollycarlson1 or check out her TikTok at mollycarlson. Please subscribe to the Voice and Sport podcast, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and send this episode to a friend that you think might enjoy the conversation. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Voice and Sport. And if you're interested in joining our community, sign up for a free account at voiceandsport.com to get started. When you join our community, you gain access to our exclusive content, podcasts, mentorship sessions from professional athletes and access to the top viz experts in sports psychology and nutrition. See you next week on the Voice and Sport podcast.